Hello boys and girls and welcome to the second ever episode of Second Take Cinema coming to you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend. I am your host Jamie Evans joined as always by my magnanimous co-host Rory Jocelyn. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Today we are taking on a cinematic classic, a titan of the gangster genre, 1990s Goodfellas. And let me tell you, I'm excited for this one. See, thanks to my old podcast, Jamie, Your Film Taste Sucks, I'm used to being the one saying that beloved classics suck. And for once, for once... I'm not on the minority side. Ladies and gentlemen, lights, camera, action. It's time for Second Take Cinema. Today we are talking about Goodfellas from ye old year of 1990, the year of my birth. Uh, in fact, let's see, when did it come out? This came out just before I was born, a couple months before I was born. Mm. Uh, but this is obviously a very well-known film, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Martin Scorsese and co-written by Nicholas Pileggi, who is the real gentleman that Wise Guy is based on. Oh, is it? Because it said Henry Hill in the film. Um... Unless Henry Hill was... Uh, sorry, Nicholas Pileggi wrote the book about Henry Hill. Sorry. Right, I was going to say. Um, produced by Erlin Winkler. It is an adaptation of the 1985 non-fiction book Wise Guy. Wise Guys. Yep. It was made for a budget of $25 million and made $47.1 million. Stars so Rob- it wasn't actually that big a hit. No, no. Uh, starred Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco and Paul Sorvino. Uh, this film was critically lauded. Uh, including being nominated for six Oscars, uh, one of which it won. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Joe Pesci, which it won. Uh, So he won for this. Best Supporting Actress for Lorraine Bracco, who played Karen. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay for Scorsese and Pileggi. And Best Film Editing for Thelma Schoonmaker, or Schoonmaker. 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 Shoon? Yeah, it's Shoon. It's not... Um, oh, okay. Shoe. Uh, both Siskel and Ebert gave this thumbs up. Uh, in fact, Ebert gave it a full four out of four stars and both named it the best film of 1990. Um, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it is rated at 96%. Um and is described as the high point of Scorsese's career. Um, you can't have made any good films then. Audience polls. <laughs> audience polls average out to an A minus, uh, an A minus, and uh, here's what Eber actually said about the film: No finer film has ever been made about organised crime, not even The Godfather, um, which is the film I most often hear this compared to. Is the Godfather? 
Now, I uh, this one was actually put on the list by yourself. Yes, it was. So, do you want to tell the audience about when you first saw Goodfellas and what made you want to revisit it? Sure. So, I'll say this for one thing. I did not see it at the cinema because I would have been four. So, <laughs> definitely did not watch it at the cinema. And anyone who doesn't know in America, we actually have age ratings that are legally binding. This was a 15. And they're not legally binding in America? Nope. Oh. That's why uh, like you can take a five-year-old to watch basically what they would view as like a 15 or an 18, so long as there's an adult that consents that they And they've made that able. decision, right. Yeah. Um, it, it may be different from state to state, but I know that's true in a lot of states. Okay. Anyway, in the UK, legally binding, no way a four-year-old was going to see Goodfellas, and probably for the right reasons. Mm. Uh, I didn't see this until it came out on DVD. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first DVDs in my house. Probably the second. Same. Yeah, uh, it was the second DVD, I think, because I know that Die Hard was the first. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the first time I ever saw this was in glorious 480p SD. Uh, <laughs> on, and Stop we, taking my glorious gimmick. The only problem is, is at the time we didn't actually have a DVD player, mm. except for the one in the PC. Yeah. So the intro was hilarious because when put it in we didn't really know how to use dvds at the point and it played at two times speed including two times sound on default i don't know how we got it there mm. um because again we were young it was the first time trying to do it i don't remember how we tried to set it up but either way it played at two times speed so everyone's like what's happening in the back oh that made noise they pull over they get out the back open the thing and then <laughs> joe pesci just stabs the guy in the back and says, ah shut him up and it just, it, I was just creasing up. I was like, this is the best Tom and Jerry cartoon committed to film. <laughs> um, but the, I then watched the whole thing at normal speed. Um, and how old were you at this time, roughly? So, when did the DVD come out? I think about 2002, 2003. 97, it was first released on DVD. Oh, really? I, up, I, wouldn't, yeah. I, I didn't get DVD player until the early 2000s. Yeah, so it definitely wouldn't have been about. My, uh, let's say 2002, just to be on the safe side. I don't remember the exact year. Um, but 2002 is about right. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, just just say that anyway. Anyway, so I would have been about maybe 15, actually, mm. when, when I saw it. Um, I was not a particularly thoughtful teenager. Um, so I watched it and I thought it was garbage uh, yeah. when I was younger. I, I didn't understand why people thought it was great. I thought it was boring. Uh, I, the p- scenes with Joe Pesci were very good. I enjoyed those very much. Absolutely deserved his award. Um, but the rest of it, I just found dull as ditch water. And for years, I've always remembered not liking this film. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, I'd like to give it another chance. I've always want- had it on my list as something to give another chance to when I had time. Uh, and when you came up with the idea of this show, the first thing that came up was like, Fuck it, Goodfellas. Like, yeah. the one film that I've always wanted to give another chance to, it's the perfect medium for it. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, so I'm ho- I am was hoping, and I am hoping, uh, we will find out, uh, that this is, for me, a redemption arc for Goodfellas. Has, mm. uh, you know, maybe I was just too immature at the time to appreciate it. Mm. Um, or, if I still don't like it, I can more artistically and accurately articulate why I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, it's the second one. Right. <laughs> um, I still do not like this movie. Yeah. Um, but I remember at the time not liking the movie. I didn't really understand why. I just found it, uh, it was just quote unquote boring um, mm. outside of the Joe Pesci scenes. Eh, what am I watching? Um, now I have a much better understanding of why I don't like it. Um, but yeah, that's why I put it on the list. 
Um, most people, as you've said in there, it's obviously got a very high fresh rating on Rotten mm. Tomatoes. Not that that really means anything. Uh, Cisco and Ebert both thought... Is it Cisco and Ebert? Yeah. Cisco and Ebert, yeah. Both viewed it very highly. They're normally... Um, they're normally notably good at reviewing, mm. um, though they don't always get it right. Um, and yeah, so as you say, critically lauded. And I wouldn't, I won't say that the awards are unearned necessarily mm. or anything like that. But I still do not like this movie. Okay. Uh, what about yourself? Did you uh, have so any... similar? Similar to you, actually. Um, it was I would have been about fourteen or fifteen when I first saw this film. Obviously, a few years later than you, because I'm younger than you yeah um this was one of the first when we got a dvd player yep um i so i actually only had my ps2 as a dvd player sure and i was just getting into film as in really into it Mm. as in i'd seen disney before and i'd just seen nightmare on elm street and that started my interest in filmmaking yeah um and i remember the first few dvds i bought were all horror because i went through a real horror phase so i had Nightmare on Elm Street, which I literally, I'm not even joking, watched every day for six months. Wow. Uh, to a point where I knew I could literally sit there and recite the film word for word and not miss a line. Well, after like, six months every day, you would. Yeah. yeah, I watched it with commentary. I watched it with all the special features. I was obsessed with A Nightmare on Elm Street. I've never been as obsessed with a film ever since. Right. Um, it really was, like, for me, th- there is a reason that I hold A Nightmare on Elm Street in such high esteem. It is by no means, like, I'm not stupid. I don't think it is, on a technical level, the greatest film ever made. I don't think it's um, even that groundbreaking as such. I do think it... Um, I do think it pushed the slasher genre to new heights, but it wasn't groundbreaking as such. It captivated you. But yeah, I would not be who I am today without A Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. I was obsessed. I I can see why my parents started to get a little scared. I even (laughs) had a glove, like a woolly glove, that I'd lost the other one to. So I cut out (laughs) cardboard claws and sellotaped them to the glove and had a trilby hat that kind of looked like a fedora and would be, go around <laughs> oh, being like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. I was obsessed with My a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I could be Freddy. It's not the same. That's why I'm in your dreams. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, I had that. I had Halloween. Uh, fun fact, and this is one of the reasons why I always give films a second chance now. Didn't like Halloween the first time I saw it. Right. Saw it and was like, this is boring. He's only killing three people. You don't see anything. And then I grew some fucking culture and was like, that's the <laughs> genius of this film. Yeah. Um, I had Friday the 13th, I had Darkness Horse, and I had Resident Evil. Obviously, I was obsessed with Resident Evil. Um, so when the film came out, I was like, yeah, give me this film. Um, Over time, di- you've, you've grown to dislike that film. Well, so I, I didn't hate it as much as I do now, the first time I saw it, mm. because I was like 13. Yeah. And had never really seen, like I was just getting into horror. So things like the laser corridor were cool as fuck to me. Yeah. Because I was like, and I, I do remember being like, you know, when, um, when one is dodging all the lasers and then it does the grid yeah, the, being the like, Oh, come on. Yeah. That was unfair. That goes. <laughs> yeah. True. We were like that poor guy. Uh, then I actually played more of the resident evil games and realized what a travesty that film was. But anyway, my dad bought a DVD player. 
and he went and bought like five DVDs and they were the final countdown right goodfellas vanilla sky midnight express and 8 millimeter with nick cage right and one day after after a few months of being into film but only really watching horror i decided to expand so i ended up and I'll never forget this, because this is funny. Vanilla Sky now is one of my favourite films. Right. I didn't watch it at the time, because I was like, oh, Tom Cruise is just a pretty boy, he can't act. I'd never seen wow. him in anything. But you just I was just being a judgmental wanker. Wow. Um, so I put that one down. Midnight Express didn't look very good to me. Neither did Final Countdown. But 8mm and Goodfellas mm. caught my eye. Um, I'd never seen a Scorsese film before. Uh, 8mm, by the way, is about snuff movies. Okay. So that opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was the first Nick Cage film I ever saw. Mm. And Goodfellas was the first Scorsese film I ever saw. Right. And I put it on, and I, I didn't have a particular interest in gangsters or anything like that. I've got a friend, Danny, who's very into gangsters. Uh, like Mafia. Mafia gangsters. Um, yeah. Like he... I think he's probably seen every Mafia movie ever made. Uh, and I think he's even read the book that Goodfellas is based on. But anyway, and I sat and watched it and I enjoyed it. I was still too young to appreciate all the themes. Sure. Um, but I remember not being bored. And I remember being like very entertained by Pesci, obviously, when he's like, what, I'm a clown? I amuse you? Yeah. Um, I remember not liking the ending when I was younger yep. because I was like, well, it's anticlimactic. I now, obviously now I'm older, I understand, you know, it is, but unfortunately it's based on real life. Like you, you only have a certain amount you can do with that unless you're going to just start outright lying about what happened. Well, like the Tetris movie. Uh, like the Tetris movie. <laughs> Fucking uh, car chase against the KGB where they win. Where they all turn into Tetris blocks. Yeah, which is weird. Line piece. Line piece. Um, or, um, oh, what is it? There's another movie that's based on a true story and they just outright fabricated the ending. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, um, I've seen it again since when I was about 25 and then this is the third time I've watched it. So, again, for anyone listening at home, you've probably already seen Goodfellas. If you haven't and you don't want it spoiled, I advise stopping listening because we're about to discuss the plot. Yep. Um, so I'll give you a second to turn off. A second chance to turn off. A second take off. And <laughs> use that chance to take a drink. Mm. Okay, and for those of you still here, um, so Goodfellas, obviously it's a 1990 movie. It takes place over a span of time from 1955 to 1980. And it's about Henry Hill, who is a young boy at the start of the film who looks up to the Mafia. Uh, and all he dreams about all day is being part of the Mafia. Uh, and the best he can ever, what we later find out is the best he ever can become is a mafia associate because he's not pure blood He's got Italian. Sicilian blood in him, hasn't he? No, that's the good part. Oh. Because he's, he's half American. Ah, uh, okay. Because he, he says, uh, they won't let me join even though I've got Sicilian. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, you have to be fully Italian to be in the mafia, which is yeah. why Jimmy can't join either yeah, because he's, he's half Irish. Irish. Yeah. Um, 
which I didn't pick up on straight away. Um, but he gets a job working for a local low-level mafia guy who, in turn, works for a big mafia guy called Paulie, who is played by Paul Sorvino, mm. uh, who's been in many things. I mostly know him He's from very a... very good actor. Very good actor. Very good singer as well. Yeah. I know him from a very weird little film that we might cover one day, because it's a very interesting film, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. Okay. Which is a, a horror goth cyberpunk style horror interesting with paul sorvino in it and uh anthony stewart head from buffy okay um, and the little girl from spy kids but older right. um i can't remember her name all of a sudden it doesn't matter which i feel bad spy kids. i know but i feel bad because <laughs> I, I always feel bad when i don't remember actors nah, that's names. Fair enough. um anyway and basically it sort of charts his rise to more or less becoming mafia he can never quite take that full step he takes some hits along the way where he has to like he gets put in he gets put on trial but he doesn't rat anyone out he goes to prison for a little bit but gets out and, and then he screws it all up with and, drugs and greed his yeah. life starts to unravel um which for me the main theme of the film is what well, what my interpretation of goodfellas yeah is is that it's a film about exposing the lie that is the mafia. At the start, Henry Hill has this incredibly idealised view of the mafia, where, oh man, these people, they're like celebrities, and they can do whatever they want, and they get whatever they want, and they can have eight girls on their arm, and, you know, you can't touch them, blah, blah, blah. And he also talks about this whole big thing of, obviously with mafia, is it's a family, yeah. And, you know, it's all about loyalty and respect, blah, 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 blah. What the film does as it goes on is slowly strip that away to reveal that it's all lies. Right. Because every character in it is a dickhead. Obviously, they're all criminals. But, right. they're, but they're not loyal. No. When they do the robbery, the big robbery, well, first of all, they all turn on Billy Bats just because he insults Joe Pesci. Yeah. When they do the big robbery that's the biggest heist in history, De Niro gets greedy and starts killing off everyone else who helped on the yeah on the job. Um, Henry, he, he, he rolls on his friends pretty quickly, actually, in the film. Well, um, in, in, after 25 years... He's well, yeah, but he's warned. <laughs> he's warned not to deal drugs. Immediately starts dealing drugs. Yep. Starts doing the drugs himself. Yep, which you know makes him absolutely useless at anything. Yeah. Um. And at the end, even though you know Paulie doesn't have him whacked at the end, which no. by mafia rules, Paulie should have him whacked, and but he doesn't. Should have done because it would have kept him out of prison. Yeah, he gives him the thirty-two hundred. Yeah, and says, "Right, I'm going to turn my See back now." And instead of taking the 32, you, you hear it in the voiceover, he's entitled. Yeah, he's like, 3,200, that's all I'm worth after a lifetime of service. Um, <laughs> and immediately rolls over and rats on him. And even then, he's still entitled because you see him being interviewed by the, the witness protection guy. And he's like, nowhere cold. I don't want to be anywhere caught. That's not really your choice. I don't care. I don't want to be anywhere caught. Still, at that level where he's got no cards left to play, yeah, is pathetic. And for me, and we'll talk, we'll now talk in a minute about whether you got these same yeah, things or you yeah, got yeah. something different. For me, 
what the film is about is is taking that mafia image of a respected, uh, powerful, smooth, suave mafia guy and revealing that they're actually just pathetic scumbags playing dress-up. Okay. That's my interpretation. And then his punishment, for lack of a better word, at the end of the film is... All that, because that, that's all he's ever wanted. We see at the beginning, don't we, that he never really went to school. So he's got, he says, doesn't he, he's never paid taxes. He's got no grades. Yeah. Doesn't even have a real driver's license. His driver's license is a forgery. Yeah. Um, and now that's all been taken away from him because he's in witness protection. And he has to live like an average schnook is the word he uses. Yeah. Um, which I'd never, I'd never heard. I, I've heard schmuck. schmuck yeah. But I've never heard schnook. I like yeah. it, though. I might start using that. Schnook. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, how about you? Because, obviously, you've watched the film for a second time. You've watched it with an open mind, yep. and it still hasn't uh, ticked the box for you. No. Um, so... When I first... When it first started... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. The script never grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Um... When it got to that famous scene that I loved even when I first watched it, which is the uh, Do I Fucking Amuse You scene. It's quite early on in the film. I don't remember it being mm. that early. Um, but yeah, between with um, Tommy played by uh, Joe Pesci. That's in, he, it's, it, it phenomenally well acted. Like, I'm not going to diss the acting. The acting in this is brilliant. But I noticed that the story he was telling was actually not very clever. Um, and none of the script is particularly clever. And I think... Just by luck, this wasn't by plan. Mm. Last night I watched The Gentleman mm. by um, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. The script in that is intelligent. It's slick. It's characterful. It. It's. I. I love that script, and mm. I fell in love with that film immediately on watching it. And when I watched this film, which is meant to be like a top end gangster film, like one of the classics, mm. cinematic classics of gangster films, the script is pretty poor. Um, it's loose, and I understand why, because the Guy Ritchie film is a complete fabrication, and gangsters with smooth talking, intelligent words, and being able to slip in like the words "fucking cunt" while also saying "big discombobulate" and other sort of words that fit in with a much more intelligent pantheon of English language. You know that probably doesn't happen very much. No, Whereas the I, script for this is probably a lot more accurate with the dumbassness of the story yeah. that Joe Pesci's character is telling. A lot of hey yo hey yo hey, 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 forget about forget it forget about it and like his whole story is garbage anyway. It's not actually a funny story. No, and it's it, it, well, but it's not played you... that it's not supposed to be funny. It's played that it's supposed to be funny because they're like, or at least that they will just laugh along with it. Yeah, but the I, story I, I, is really bland. They could have written yeah, a better story. I got more the impression. I don't know if you did because every story he tells in the film that they laugh at, it's, it's all garbage. really violent stories yeah. about him killing people or hurting people. I got the impression that it's it's not actually funny. It's, it's funny to after. psychos. Right. Because they're all, let's be honest, these are not normal people. Right. These are all criminals. Yeah, so this is the other problem I have with the film. Uh, So the script I don't think was as intelligent as it could have been. Mm. Though I will give, the fact that it's based on reality, maybe that's just because that's the reality of the the intellect of the people it's referring to. Right. Just quickly, by the way, we may have to add gentlemen to the list of future episodes. Because I've I've seen it and didn't like it. I really like it. But I don't like Guy Ritchie films anyway. 
So I'm not necessarily a big Guy Ritchie fan. Yeah. But that film, I was hooked. The story, the, 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 the way Hugh Grant's character acts in that and the way he, he spins a yarn to Charlie Hunnam's character is just, it's mesmerising, it's catching, it grabs me. Yeah. I'm immediately suckered into the story in a way that does not happen in the Goodfellas film. Does not happen at all in Goodfellas. No one's telling... Like, even when Joe Pesci's telling his story, I'm not suctioned into it Mm. because the whole point of the scene isn't the story. The whole point of the scene is, do I fucking amuse you? When he does that bit, I'm sucked into the story because that's the the impetus of the scene. But the problem is, is Joe Pesci's character is the only personality. Right. No one else has any personality in the whole film. Ray Liotta's character is not compelling. He's not an interesting character. Again, not an issue with Ray Liotta. The character is bland. Mm. Um, Robert De Niro's character basically just winds up as a guy who looks at people with a, "Mm, what are you talking about, sort of face. And that's all he does. Almost every act is carried out by someone else. So his character becomes not very compelling by the third act. And uh, this is where it all falls apart for me is the third act is garbage. Mm. Um, and again, I understand it's based on a true story. Maybe they didn't want to deviate too much from that true factual story, but then trim it because it was too long. The mm. film is too long. Um, that third act is way too long for what, for the nothing that happens in it. Mm. Cause literally nothing happens in it. And if you were writing that as a fiction narrative, you would trim the fuck down out of it or you would add some stake. No stakes happen. There are no stakes in the third act because there are no characters to care about. Well, aren't, aren't the stakes his inevitable, the fact that he is clearly falling apart and we know that he's going to get caught soon. But nothing happens. He gets caught. That's not really a big deal because he doesn't get caught. He got, he talks to the blooming cops and gets bailed out to live somewhere in the middle of but fuck nowhere. Mm. So he doesn't, there are no stakes because he's under no threat. Because the threat is nullified when he goes into witness protection and it ends on him in witness protection. His, what, the, the closest we get to a stake mm. is when his wife goes and speaks to Robert De Niro's character mm. and he goes, oh, picture yourself out some clothes. It's just down there. And he tries yeah. to get her into going to the shop. Which is going to get killed. And it's, yeah, pretty obviously those guys are waiting there to whack her. Yeah. And she makes the smart decision to leave. But because she leaves, the the actual point of that scene is sucked out of it. See, I don't know if I agree with your analysis here, because by that logic, it sounds like what you're saying is... So let's say... Uh, let me think of another film that's a good example. Um, let's say we're watching... Let's say we're watching Aliens. Okay, the second one. Yeah, and Sigourney Weaver and the mercenaries, they first meet the Xenomorphs. Yep. They're put into a situation where there's now stakes. Yep. And they escape. Yep. Does that mean that scene was now pointless? No, because the stakes were people got killed. If not look, always. No. Not always. There's scenes look, in after, that where they're escaping okay. people. After don't. Joe Pesci's character dies, mm-hmm. nobody dies. But no. the film runs on for like 40 minutes. But but he loses everything. But he keeps his life. Yeah, and but, his wife. But life is not the only stakes. He's got fuck all else. He's a druggie. He's already lost all the money. Mm. He's lost all the status in the mafia already, whether he rats them out or not. Right. He's literally lost everything already. 
going into the witness protection program covers him for the only other thing he's got left, his life yeah. and his wife. Outside of that, he's already got nothing. Right. So, no. It's a bail me out, get, get out of jail free card, which is exactly what it is. And I know that's the story and that's the real story, but it's not a compelling ending for 40 minutes of my time. Was that how long the... I don't know. It felt at least minutes. like it was 40 minutes long. Right. Uh, that Because, I mean, the, uh, the film is two hours and 20 minutes. Right. And it feels like Joe Pesci wasn't in it for a long while. <laughs> That last, uh, honestly, that last third dragged mm. really badly for me. So it may don't, not have been that long, but it definitely yeah. felt it. Don't ever watch the film Blow. I haven't yet, no. Don't. Okay. <laughs> because it's the last act of Goodfellas for two hours. Ugh, no. It's 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 very similar. It's jo Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, I've heard it. stealing yeah. cocaine. Here's the thing, though. That's considered trash, that film. Is it? Yes. I quite liked it. Apparently that's considered trash. But it's literally the third act of Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. But Goodfellas isn't trash. I don't understand it. And maybe a lot of people fall asleep by the third act, so no one actually remembers it. Yeah, no one remembers. They, re they just they, remember the good bit. They watch Joe Pesci die, and they're like, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah. It's. Just, it's. Is it just me? But I, I'll ask you. Is it just me? I mean, when Joe Pesci, uh, when Joe Pesci dies, yeah. The film loses all energy. I'm not going to lie. This might be a controversial. This might be my controversial Goodfellas opinion. Sure. I find that Joe Pesci actually becomes very annoying in this film. Yeah. I really like the, you know, I'm a clown, I amuse you. Yeah. But my problem with Joe Pesci in this film, and fair enough, like, the guy's a great actor, he won an Oscar, etc. My problem with him is there is no variance. Every line is delivered in that shouty way. He, do you know what he reminds me of? I, I don't mean to make this a height joke, I'm short myself. He's like an angry Jack Russell. Yeah yelling constantly but, oh, and there's no, even mm. bits where I know obviously yeah. the point is meant to be that he's crazy and he's a loose cannon yeah. but there are some bits like when he kills Spider yeah, where it's like there is literally no reason for you to have done that other than you felt insulted by him but we show they've already shown that he'd do that because that's why they whacked the oh, yeah yeah. And this also I was finding that grating, okay. so I actually don't mind that he gets removed from the film. But the My thing is, is that's the only thing that he's the only character that added any stakes to the film. Nothing else mattered in the film, and the other thing as well is none of the other characters have much variance either. Robert De Niro's character, as I say, just looks like a pit bull chewing a wasp. No, the I... whole film and says nothing. He never shouts. He never has any variance, I and ha... neither does Ray Liotta's character. I mean, He's a scumbag through and through. Yeah, I have to say, we, I think you're wrong about De Niro personally. When does he shout? Um... When does he have any variance in his delivery? When he's choking the guy out with the phone line. Yeah, all right, no, fair play, no. I, think, I forgot about that. I think, I think De Niro is a lot subtler in the film. I think it's a very subtle De Niro he's a He's a calmer character than the yeah. others. And his is more, after they do the big bust, the big mm. theft, You do if you pay attention, you notice that he's becoming increasingly paranoid. Yeah. And there's little things he's doing, like he's fidgeting a lot, he's always looking around. Sure. Um, so I didn't mind that for me the for me the worst part of De Niro is the scene where he gets told that Joe Pesci's been whacked yeah and he's it's the worst on-screen crying I've ever seen because yeah. he's he's not crying he's no. just screwing his face up and going oh, oh. <laughs> that I so that was a problem for me sure um 
I kind of see what you mean and kind of don't at the same time, um, which is weird. It's an, it's a hard position to be in. Um, I although I like Goodfellas, I don't have it in like my top ten. Yeah, mainly because gangster films are not what i'm interested in particularly sure um there aren't many that i do like uh i've seen the first godfather yep. and it was okay bit long um i've heard godfather 2 is better okay other than that i don't think i've seen many mafia movies okay if if any actually so yeah i don't watch Mafia movies as a rule not because I'm avoiding them I've seen a few though there are some good ones Road to Perdition is brilliant oh is that a Mafia movie yeah they're... he's thought... in the Mafia Tom Hanks' character is in the Mafia oh is he I thought I don't know why I've always thought Road to Perdition was a World War 1 or 2 movie no it's around that time but it's ma- he's Mafia and oh, okay. um, it's Daniel Craig is the actual son of the Mafia boss oh. who he's his son witness, witnesses murdering someone oh, I'll tell you a Mafia film I've seen that's a good film a nice little film called Bugsy Malone. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen Bugsy Malone. Do you know what it is? Not really. Oh, shit. Right, I need to show you Bugsy Malone. It's just certain films were clearly made by someone doing crack. Right. That's Bugsy Malone. <laughs> so Bugsy Malone, I'm not joking, it's a British film. It's a British mafia movie. Right. Directed by Alan Parker, who's a very famous director. He unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. But very famous British director. It's a mafia movie where all the characters are played by children. What? Yeah, for no reason. There's no reason, but I've got it on DVD. It's a musical. Oh, no, it sounds terrible. It's got Jodie Foster in it when she was like 12. Can we burn it? Right. Sounds terrible. I was in the stage version. No. And it gets better than this. Because this is this is what I mean about British film being so weird. Because nine times out of ten, for some reason in Britain, we insist on realism, social realism in yeah, film. Yeah. And then when we do let ourselves go wild, we go wild. Because this is a, a, a gangster film, as I said, with all children. Now, they're not going to have children shooting each other. Bit when this was made in like the 70s yeah, or the yeah, early yeah. 80s, right? So all their guns are called splurge guns. And they fire cream pies. Oh, God. And cream pies are like... There's a scene... There's a really good scene in it where um, the, the evil gangster, Dandy Dan, yeah. um, as uh, one of the henchmen keeps failing them. And there's like this sinister scene where he's got all his henchmen in a line and he's walking up and down and you know he's going to kill one of them. So he's holding this cream pie in his hand <laughs> as if it's a gun and being like, this is the last time you're going to let me down, see? Oh, God. <laughs> um, no. But which one of you is it going to be? Which one of you is wise guys? Oh, no. And then he just turns around and splats this guy. And the guy acts like he's dead. <laughs> Um, that sounds it's, awful. No, it's very funny. It's got really catchy songs in it as okay. well. Um, but it's oh, no. uh, obviously I have a nostalgia for it because I was in the I don't stage think you can play. Put that in the same bracket as Goodfellas. No, no. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I, you want to you want to see a good film? No, I would love swap to swap out Bugsy Malone with Joe Pesci. Oh, so everyone else is kids. He's just throwing cream pies make, at people. Yeah, make every other character a kid. Yep. But just put... I mean, he's about the same size as them. Just put Joe Pesci it's, in it's, That's a variation on the everyone's Muppets except one actor. Yeah. Yes. 
just and the good fellas all Muppets except Joe Pesci. Just Joe Pesci shanking these yeah, children. Shanking, shanking Muppets. Am I funny now? Do I amuse you? <laughs> there we go. We fixed Goodfellas. There we go. It needs to be a Muppets movie. Um, um, but okay, so back to Goodfellas. Mm. Um, I, I'll be honest, there's something else about the film that comes through to me, which is another reason why it probably doesn't speak to me very much. Um, and it's not to do with it being Mafia, because I, there, are, there are Mafia movies I like. Road to Perdition is a much better, much, much, much better movie in every conceivable way. has more of a point. Uh, but British gangster movies, as I say, I like The Gentleman. Lockstock is good. It's more of a fun movie than it is a serious movie. The Gentleman has a little bit more meat to its script. But uh, Lockstock is a brilliant British gangster movie. Sexy Beast... Um, it's a very good British movie, and even though it doesn't hit all the right notes, 44-inch chest is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to Japanese Yakuza movies, uh, I'm always I'm always partial to a bit of Takeshi Kitano's work. Um, so Brother is probably his most accessible mm. of his gangster movies, but actually Sunishina is uh, kind of a favourite where a bunch of uh, Yakuza's have to go in hiding, and they hide up one of their family relatives beach houses mm-hmm. and while they're there they basically revert back to being children right. and there's a bit where they're having a uh, like a shootout on the beach in the middle of the night but <laughs> they've got like these like almost firecracker sort of things throwing these firecrackers going hey, hey isn't this great fun and then Takeshi's there shooting actual fucking roman candles at the other side right. and they're like are those roman candles what the fuck are you doing and he's just shooting literally shooting the actors by the way with roman candles yeah <laughs> so what the fuck how did like japan i don't think they care too much about act safety because <laughs> there's no way they could have gotten away with that in like america or some shit yeah but yeah so that i i don't I'm not against mafia or gangster movies per se. Mm. You just but, didn't enjoy this one. Well, I like them to have a bit of class, and the like. Certainly, you know, Road to Perdition is a classy gangster movie, mm. um, and there's some meaningful heart to it, where he's trying to save his son. I know it's a fiction as well. We'll get to mm. around to that in a minute. The fiction versus real life stories, um, but. Yeah, generally something with a bit more class in the way that it's filmed, the way that it's conceived, the way it's written. Mm. Script is a big thing for me. And I don't think Goodfellas script is particularly strong. Uh, The other side is the main protagonist. Mm. Now, while we were watching it, you kind of argued this with me because I said um, Ray Liotta's character is not very likable. He's our main protagonist, really. But he's not likable. He's not, you know, he's not a fun or decent man. And you said specifically, he's not meant to be. Quite rightly, you know, he's not meant to be a guy that you, you know, feel for I, in I the same worry way. I would if anyone did. Yeah. If anyone watched it going, yeah, I really relate to Ray Liotta, I'd be a bit like, ooh. Yeah. The only problem is, is that he, from throughout the whole film, mm. he is our window into the world. Yeah. Very, from the fact that he, uh, he is our narrator. Mm. And the fact that even right at the end, there's a point right at the very end when he's in court where he gets up and he breaks the fourth wall and talks to that us bit, through the yeah, camera. That bit doesn't work. I no. didn't like that bit. That, that was awful. It's I, I was literally Johnny... sitting there going, he wouldn't be allowed to keep talking while he's moving yeah, out the chair. And then some... it's only when he gets close enough to see his eyes, I'm like, oh, right, okay, he's talking to us. Well, that's and you, shit. And you see that everyone else is like frozen in tableau. Yeah. But... It... <laughs> If you're going to have something like that, you have to establish it much, 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 much. You can't much just throw earlier. it in at the end and go, "Yeah, we're doing that for this scene." Yeah, yeah. Um, but the 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 main issue with that is, I so I get what you were saying when you said that. 
He's not meant to be a lovable protagonist, mm. per se. He's meant to be, we're watching this man's decay. Mm. The problem is, for me, and this is a personal thing, this isn't uh, an issue with Ray Liotta or even the writing. Mm. It's just how I don't get on with certain films. Yeah. This has the same problem for me as uh, Quadrophenia, which is a very different genre, um, which is the film with the Who's music in it. Yeah, it's about uh, mods, isn't it? Yeah, it's about mods. I fucking hate Quadrophenia. Right, I've I despise seen it. it. And it's a well-loved film, uh, but I despise it. And it's not because of the music, and it's not because of anything else. It's simply because, in no uncertain terms, basically we're following a chav. And I know he's not a chav. You say, did chavs exist back then? Well, essentially, it's their version of a chav. Right. Because he's a young guy who's like, oh, I deserve respect and everything. And And he walks around, he fucking makes crime and then spits at blues. Oh, fuck yeah. Swearing everywhere. Like we said about Henry Hill, he feels entitled to respect. Yeah. But isn't doing anything to earn it. No, exactly. And like, so it's, it's that huge amount of, but like basically swinging his dick around as if it's, made of something massive um but anyway so but yeah so it's got the same issue as quadrophenia does for me as does a lot of modern british movies where you have like the reason i wouldn't i didn't watch um what's the one with uh colin what's his name in it um the no not farrell the firth and he's he trains that kingsman Kingsman. i won't watch that because he's got a chav as a main character yeah i do not care fuck off I honestly, I, I grew be up. Be careful, because as we found out with Haunted, you're actually not allowed to slag them off. Anymore. No, 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 no. I grew up in a really poor, shabby hole. Yeah. I tried everything to get out of that. Yeah. So when I watch movies and it's like, feel for this, Chav, I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. I did everything to get out of there. I don't talk Chav. I don't look Chav. I don't try and aim for Chav. Yeah. But a lot of these characters... like The reason the first two acts are compelling and then the third act for me drops off the floor is because at least in the first two acts, while it may be a lie, he is tr- he's gone from basically being uh, a Chav beaten by his dad to trying to elevate himself somewhere. He's gone higher aim for himself. I want to be in the mafia because I want to be a made man. I want the suits. I want to, you know, I've got an elevation I'm going for. So there's a journey trajectory where he's trying to better himself. He may be misplaced in doing it, but at least he's got a trajectory and and the attempt. The issue is in the third act and Quadrophenia and everything else is that those sorts of films that I hate is they're not interested in bettering themselves. So when it gets to the third act, once he's gone into prison and he comes out and he's doing the drug deal, he stops trying to be a good mafia guy or trying to do the right thing, at least within the framework of the mafia he's working in. Mm. Instead, he gets addicted to drugs, just deals drugs behind yeah, the he tries to take back. an easy way. Yeah, and it, but there's no interest for me in following a character for at least 40 minutes... Mm. He's off his tits on drugs and then winds up in a hole he yeah. made. And I'm meant to be sitting there going, poor guy. But would you agree? I don't care, mate. You put well, yourself I, I there. I don't think you're meant to be saying poor guy as such. To be honest, I felt more sorry for his wife. I didn't feel sorry for his um, wife at all. She stayed around with it. She understood yeah, it. Yeah, but lots of abused women do, don't they? Was she abused? Yeah. She had more Dude, than enough, no. had more than enough chances to leave. He smacks her in the face when he falls. When he rolls her off the bed, she has a gun to his face. <laughs> to be fair. Boy, to she has a gun to his face. Yeah, but to be once fair. he gets the gun off her, he doesn't just like leave. He, no, that's like, true smacks. enough, actually. That's true. You I know, forgot about that. Oh, I'll You're just right. Kick my mic. Um, yeah, it's 
but at the same time, would you not agree the film would be worse if he it still kept the bit where he's rising, and then the film ends with him getting a happy ending where he's becomes a made man, let's say. This is That'd a, be worse, wouldn't it? So that's not me saying it should have ended at the end of Act 2. Right. This is me saying that Act 3 just doesn't work for me. And right. so it, I, I don't know what the fix is because this is my type a, of movie. Yeah, I don't think there's a fix then because yeah. it's, it's a fundamental... Part of the movie. Yeah, the whole yeah. point of his character is he's not actually trying to better himself. Sure. He wants something for nothing. Yeah. And like you I said... I can't get behind that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're supposed to get behind it, but you're not interested in watching it either, no. is what you're saying. No, because I've, I've, um, I've, so I've lived around people... So it's not that he's a bad guy I've, as such. I've lived around people that literally are that, and yeah. have lived that, and that, but that's why I don't understand why anyone would have an interest in it. Because it's like, why, like maybe because I've seen too much of it, why would I want to stay in that miasma of crap so my point is though what you, so it's not the fact that it's a villain we're following that is put so for example let me he's spin not the villain of the story no but let me spin you a different yarn okay um have you ever seen or are you familiar with a show called dexter yes i've never i've watched a few episodes of the first season it didn't grab me but right. i know what the premise is and i know what the story is so right. much like this film he's the narrator he very much is our point but of view he's character. very clearly the villain or an anti-villain yeah um so would you have a problem is it a, what i'm asking is um and there's no wrong answer to this i'm just trying to get a feel for where you're where you're at is the problem that it's that our uh pov character is a dick or is it specifically the type of dick ray liotta is in I this think, film okay so Okay, let's put a difference between, say, Ray Liotta's character and Dexter, yeah. right? The re and bear in mind, I still haven't watched all of Dexter. But why I would more enjoy Dexter, I think, than this. Mm. Dexter has stakes. He's murdering people. And he and might those get caught. Yeah, and he might get caught. And that's always an ongoing pressure for him. By the third act of this film, mm. that doesn't happen for Ray Liotta. That's not what we're worried about. They're not going to find the bodies. They're not going to find this. And he's not still murdering people. Would you have found... They're just finding him... Going around dealing flipping yeah. cocaine. Would you have found it a better ending? For obviously, I know it's a real story, so you can't change yeah, yeah, the yeah. ending. But let's imagine for a minute it was fictional and we could change the ending. Yeah. Would you have found it a better ending if it had ended with Paulie turning up and being like, "I warned your kid," and he whacks him? Yeah, you'd have found that better because he because he paid gets the his price. Just he gets his just desserts. Yeah. Because and, that's the life he chose. Yeah, and in a He chose the life and he gets away with it. But he doesn't yeah. earn the right to get away with it narratively. But the, the, yeah. I, again, I understand real life he did get away with it. But yeah. I had the same problem with Legend. Uh, the that's film, the Crave Twins the film. The Crave Twins it? with... Um, that would double Tom Hardy. Yeah. Now, he does a really good job acting both of those roles. Mm. And they um, were real life gangsters as well. They were real they? life gangsters and it's very much strongly based on their real life. And it, that's quite compelling at the first, but it goes on, like this film, it goes on way too long. Right. Uh, there is actually a point in that film where it should end, but then they keep going to get to the point where both of them lose everything. And I understand why, because, you know, they don't want to show that it could you could get a positive ending for a gangster. But that extra bit at the end is dull and doesn't add anything of value. Right. Um, but there is this... It, I don't know why, specifically with gangster movies, or at least specifically those two, um, they have a, they feel a need to stick strongly and hard to a fact of how that ended, 
even if narratively it has a negative impact on the storytelling. Mm. Um, but it, you can't call this a documentary. No, 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 no. So if it's not a documentary, what's the big deal? Oh, oh this is interesting, actually, because I don't know that I agree. I, I think if you are doing a film based on a true story, even if it's not a documentary, yeah. so I don't know, let me pick a historical event. Uh, let's say you let's say good. the Eps- let's say Tetris. No, since no, no. we watched that recently, and that did change events. Yeah, but that's not an event anyone cares about. But it's really. still a documentary. It's still like what it's the it's same as this. Yeah, and it's I, based on a true story agree, with real events yeah. that they have butchered. Yeah, they shouldn't change the ending. Uh, to be fair, they don't change the outcome. Is no. the thing they change the they add the car chase, but they don't change the actual outcome. The so, outcome is Nintendo get Tetris. Yes. Yeah, so why couldn't the pressure in this film? He could still survive the mafia, dust them in, whatever. Yeah. But why couldn't the pressure and the threat have been amplified in the third act to actually make the tension work? What would you have done for that? Have it be poorly threatening to kill him, or yeah, yeah, or either poorly or. Um, Robert De Niro's character. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the, I suppose so the other problem. A bit more of a of, of a substantial yeah. threat. Maybe something where he knows that the death is imminent. Yeah. We're driving towards something. And I fuck su- off a lot of the drug dealing bit. Make yeah. it so that they're finding the corpses. I suppose the problem with doing that would be you are talking about real people here, and it's one thing to say people had a car chase if they didn't. It's another thing to say someone tried to kill someone if they didn't. So let's let's say they made a film about us. God forbid they would ever make a film about us. What an exciting but life. Let's say we're in our <laughs> 80s and they make a film about the founding of Impala, right? Yep. And they're like, oh, there's no stakes in this film about Jamie's life. So let's have it that Rory tries to kill him in the third act. But you've never tried to kill me in real life. How'd you know? For the sake of this, how would you feel as an 80-year-old man if you go to watch this film and now the whole world thinks you tried to kill your best friend? Yeah, simple. Um, If the story isn't interesting enough, don't make a fucking film of it. Fair enough. You said that about Tetris. I did. They obviously had to embellish it because the story wasn't interesting enough. Yeah, and they shouldn't have made it. Same deal with this. Yeah. This film is not interesting enough. Or the ending isn't interesting enough. Yeah. In which case, the whole film, if if you're basing it on that whole chunk, it's not interesting enough. And maybe it is interesting if you're in that lifestyle. I don't know who this is for because it's very not for me. Yeah. But I mean, it obviously I mean, is for someone. Like we said, it's rated 97%. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I fully accept that I'm in the minority with this one. I feel like this is your apocalypse now for me. Oh, I A can't. film that everyone adores and I just can't see why. But I can still why. pick out good things from this. This isn't the worst film I've ever watched. Well, I know it may sound... The worst film. Silence is the worst film I've ever watched. Yeah. But... But my point is, is I may I sound critical, but it's because of the fact that it is so lauded, and I don't honestly I don't get why. Yeah, it just doesn't script, click in your brain. Well, the script isn't very good. Mm. The in uh, your opinion, no, the script isn't very good. I mean, the the Oscars clearly thought it was because it was nominated for best screenplay. Yeah, they've got a lot of chunk of cheese they can give to the Oscars. I, I don't true. true. I don't necessarily do believe that every Oscar is well earned. Right. Um. But anyway, like even if it was well earned, that doesn't mean I have to agree. You know, it was something no, very saying, different for 1990. Opinion. But but no, the script isn't strong because the third act drops and falls out the bottom. Mm. The actual like the, the way that people talk isn't very compelling. But if that's the reality, fine. If you're trying to keep it real, but it's not compelling yeah. as a piece of writing. Mean, it's not Glen Gary Glen Ross. That's that's more compelling than. 
any London gangster film. Oh, no. The way they talk is awful. No, The Gentleman is much like, better written. Because Cockney. The actual dialogue. Oh. The actual dialogue. The way the dialogue in the script is written is far superior. From my memory, it's just people swearing at each other. Then you didn't watch The Gentleman very well. It's just loads of people swearing. Hugh Grant's, Hugh I remember Grant's the character is, is written almost like poetry. It's incredible. He was the worst character in it. Oh, he me. wasn't. He was brilliant. I mean, it doesn't help that I really don't like Hugh Grant. <laughs> he doesn't um, play Hugh Grant I in that do, movie, which is why no, he's very, he's very good. I do remember... Um, I do remember the bit where Charlie Hunnam goes to get the phone off the chavs. He does swear a lot the in machine that. Gun out. He's yes. like, you can't. Yeah. Um, and it is funny to see all the chavs suddenly turn and run yeah. when he pulls the gun out. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, but I'm with Charlie Hunnam in that. I'm sorry. But like when he goes up to the crackhead's room and he's sitting there and he's just like, it's disgusting. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you while you're wasting yourselves being just degenerate shit? Yeah, I'm with you, Charlie. <laughs> yes, but we're supposed to have sympathy for victims of addiction. Okay. I remember. I remember. There's a good scene. <laughs> but the thing is, a good is scene I, with I Colin. Still don't have to yeah. sit there and pretend that they're not wasting themselves. There's a good scene with Colin Farrell in a burger joint. Yeah. With some chavs. I remember that bit. Oh yeah, yeah, they're yeah. giving him some lip, and he basically yeah, yeah, murks so. Him. Yeah, they're, they're trying to... Because he basically stops them from cutting in line with him. So they try and stab him and yeah. he just slaps them around. It is... But it, yeah, I get what you mean. And it is different things. Um, I think it, it was interesting you mentioned Kingsman earlier. I just I haven't seen it. No. So I don't know if it's good. But because it's got a chav lead, yeah. I'm like... Well, this Ugh. is why it's interesting. Because you mentioned that and then you mentioned about your problem with this is that he's not trying to better himself. That is the plot of Kingsman. It's a chav learning to not be a chav. But is he trying to better himself or is he forced to better himself? It starts as forced and then he learns to... Why would you force him? Why is he so important? I can't remember now. See, that's the question. Like, is, is it... I can't remember why it is they want him <laughs> to join this secret agency. Mm. But the secret agency are like, we don't have chav agents. Like, we're gentlemen. That's what yeah. we are. And at first, he's really, like, begrudging of it. And he's like, yo, man, why, why you got all these uh, shitty rules and, like, dress codes and things like that? And as the film goes on, he kind of grows the fuck up. Yeah. And... See, that sounds more like a movie that I could understand a bit more. But just because every single clip I've ever seen is Chav Boy, I'm like, nope, I don't want to watch Chav the Wonder Boy. Yeah. (laughs) It's not for me. I genuinely don't like this film. I don't think I'd ever want to watch it again. Or if I did, I'd watch it up to the point where Joe Pesci dies and then I'd turn it off. I would not sit through the third the last third of this film by choice. You'd have to put me in a torture chair. Uh, the um, But yeah, maybe to watch a bit of ground rules on Joe Pesci's character development, things like that. Though as I do understand what you're saying. Even he's a little one note. Um, but yeah, I, I will accept... That my dislike of this film is probably a lot more personal than it is professional. Though I still hold that I think the script isn't particularly strong. And that that third half drops out of its arse because of poor pacing and somewhat poor writing. Even if it's trying to follow realism to a degree. Um, But yeah... I. that that's kind of my final take on it. I gave it another chance. I I did try and get into it, and I did genuinely enjoy the first two thirds of the film, 
you know, it, don't get me wrong, it wasn't, I wasn't riveted, but I was enjoying myself. Yeah. I was set to go, actually, I quite enjoyed it this time, and then that last third, I just lost it all. It all just went. Um, how one third of a film can ruin your enjoyment of the whole. Um, I don't know how it managed to do that so well, but it did. Uh, so that's my take. What's yours? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a hard one because I, I do like the film. Um, it's not one of my favourites. And it is... I've got to be honest, I didn't find it anything special cinematography-wise either. It was fine. It wasn't bad. There was a couple of one-take um, shots that I like were the one-take shots. I, I love a good one-taker. Yeah. But that was uh, about it. But there was nothing super artistic in it, I thought. Um, it's... I agree that the third act is not the, is the worst part of the film. Yeah. Um, and does feel like it goes on a bit long. Um, I also wasn't clear, maybe I missed something, on when exactly Karen started doing the cocaine as well. Yeah, that just kind of got thrown in there. Oh, yeah. his, girlfriend, doing it. his girlfriend was doing it. <clears throat> yeah. And then at some point she's just doing it as well. Yeah, it, it, um, it doesn't bother with the details of that. I think the problem with the third act in terms of its pacing, why it felt a bit long, is the whole drug dealing around while he's having that dinner. Yeah. And it's like we basically follow his whole day of going, like, doing a bit of the sauce, yeah. delivering something, cut, kissing his girlfriend, then leaving, coming back, doing the sauce, going... <laughs> yeah. And it does that, like, seven times. You're yeah, like, the Dude, whole just time looking get for on the helicopter, it. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, um, we can do that with a couple of outs and ins but it's like seven times yeah. piss off that a lot of the film does feel quite speedy because especially near the beginning because yeah. they skip a lot of years very quickly yeah because the film goes from 1955 all the way to 1980 yeah so we're talking 25 years yeah yeah like a so at the start of that is when he's a kid watching from the window yeah yeah but that's this film covers a period of 25 years it's quite a big span and i do always i do always worry when when a based on a true story film goes oh this is a huge chunk <laughs> of time like that i always think it's better when they cover one event yeah, yeah. like the titanic let's say or i don't know I haven't seen it, but like the 9-11 film. Right. Um, it's one event. You're yeah. focused on one day. And you know the event is big enough that it's... You know, if, if you're making a film about an event, the event must be big enough to actually hold your attention. I mean, as you say thing. that, they do. They have made a few where it's not really worth making. But right. they just they just make it because they're desperate to base things on true stories because it, it gets... Yeah. I'll I I think, think, I tell you a prime example of that. A prime example... Did you see the film Sully, Miracle on the Hudson? No. So that is about, um, do you remember the airline pilot in America who flew out from New York? Oh, is that the Tom Hanks movie? Yeah. And Sorry, yes, I, I, I know what that film is, yeah. And he lands it on the Hudson. Yeah. I went to the cinema to see that. That is not an event that needed a film making about <laughs> it. It is not nearly interesting enough. A load of... Uh, a How lo long was the movie? I think it's only 90 minutes. Okay. But At least the actual... they didn't try and push it too far like this one. So the actual plane bit mm. is over and done with in like 15, 20 minutes. And then the film is about them trying to blame him for the engine failure. And it's not interesting. And I think when I looked it up, 
I think when I looked it up, it turns out half of it's fabricated anyway. Yeah. Um, but not... <laughs> so, so this comes back to the point. Hollywood are not against fabricating yeah. parts of a real, based yeah. on a true story. Another example. And we, I actually don't know how fabricated or not this film is. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I don't. Another good example is a film called Nothing But The Truth with Kate Beckinsale in it. Right. Uh, that is about a reporter, played by Kate Beckinsale, who um, she publishes a story, and I don't know what the story's about, but it's exposing the government for doing something. Right. And they put they arrest her and say, we need to know who your source was. Right. Because you shouldn't have known this. It's classified. Who's your source? And because she's got journalistic integrity, she refuses to name her source. They use a loophole of some kind to put her in jail. Right. And they they put her in jail until she tells them who her source is. But she won't. Right. And that sounds interesting. It sounds like an interesting concept. Sure. And then the film drags. Right. Because it, it literally is just Kate Beckinsale in prison. And every few weeks they take her out. And they go, tell us who your source is. And she goes, no. And they put her back in jail. Then they send her husband to visit her, played by David Schwimmer. Right. And he's like, um, yeah, I'm cheating. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm cheating on you. And she's like, why are you cheating on me? He's like, because you've been in jail for two years. Because you won't name a fucking source. And I'm your husband. And you, you've just left me. Her. he doesn't understand why it's important to her to maintain her journalistic integrity and he's just like give up the name who gives a shit why are you protecting them and ruining our marriage I, don't, I actually don't remember how it ends I think, well I'm him sure... cheating is pretty much ruined in the marriage yeah <laughs> um, I think she doesn't give up the name in the end I think I think some lawyer I think Matt Dillon's in it as a lawyer and I think Dillon he... son yeah. of a bitch I think he manages to prove that they're holding her illegally or something. Right. Anyway, Goodfellas. Okay, so let's wrap up our Goodfellas conversation. Sure. We promised, when we started this show, we made ourselves a promise that in the interest of fairness, when we liked a film, we'd try and find a bad point. And if we hated a film, we'd try and find a good point. Yep. So what's your good point in Goodfellas? For me, honestly... The best thing in the film is Joe Pesci. Yeah. Um, I love the mania of his character. Uh, I know what you're saying. It is a little bit one note and it gets a bit grating. I think that's kind of the point. Um, and the film is lesser when he's gone. Yeah. Um, and I think he got a well-deserved Oscar for that. Um, again, I'm not slagging off any of the yeah, actors. I think in this. should have won for Home Alone a few years later. <laughs> he... Definitely not for Moonwalker, though. The one film no. I've seen that Joe Pesci was shit in, and to be fair... If you're going to be shit in a movie, you might as well be shit in Moonwalker. His whole character is just, I'm selling drugs to kids. And then he spends the rest of the film literally just going, and pointing. That's literally all he does for the whole film. Right. It's like, luckily he's not in it very much, even though he's the main villain. Selling drugs to kids. Yeah. And that's on our list, isn't it? Moonwalker it is, yeah. yeah. You're going to love Moonwalker. Not not for like two years yet, but we've got a lot of films and a lot of recording to squeeze in. If we want to get to some of these films. My my bad point, we already said it, is um, De Niro's crying. Yeah, right. it's, it's laughable. It is. It is quite stupid. 
Anyway, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That was us giving a second chance to Goodfellas. Second take. A second take of Goodfellas. Um, unfortunately, Rory's mind was not changed. I still enjoyed it, if not terribly enamoured by it. Uh, please do look us up on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Yada, yada, yada. You can hear us talk about video game movie adaptations over at the Video Game Movie Podcast, a.k.a. VGMP, uh, hosted on the Pickaxe Network. Uh, if you're interested in hearing our audio drama, Haunted, the audio drama created and starring myself, uh, co-showrun, co-written with my business partner, Benton, uh, who does a lot of the editing as well, uh, and plays multiple roles in the show. Uh, that also has Rory over here in a recurring role, and he guest wrote an episode for season two Maybe. as well. Uh, you can find that by going to any good podcasting app and searching Haunted, the audio drama. It's ideal for people who like things like The X-Files or Doctor Who. It's kind of a mix of those things. Anyway, we will be back next time with another uh, second take on a on a family film next Ooh. time uh, by a little director who I quite like, known as Roberto Rodriguez. It's actually Robert Rodriguez, not Roberto. Uh, but yeah, see if you can guess what that is. So it's a family movie that I saw when I was a wee little lad. And it's by Robert Rodriguez. And I think that's all, isn't it, Rory? Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, I just know what film it is. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> well, we'll have to come back next time and cut. <clears throat> That's a wrap.